Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm reading from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. And it says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this subject if you're taking notes. And I hope that you are. The Holy Spirit gets you home. Holy Spirit get you home. Come on, let's pray. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity, this time, Lord, that we have to come into your presence, Lord, to, to spend time with you, Lord. Um, and Lord, we, we see over, over eons, Lord God, um, you are the creator of all things. Um, we've seen it, Lord, over the last few days. Um, individuals, Lord, we, we've given our life to you. And Easter marks these moments, Lord, where people go from death to life as your son did and because your son did. And so, Father, we, we, we want to know what's next. Like after the death, the resurrection has happened. What does it look like in the life of believers? What does it mean for us? And Father, I'm grateful that you did not leave us orphans. But you promised in scripture that you would send a helper, Lord. That he would come alongside of us. And Father, as I try in my most futile way to be able to unpack and explain who this person is, the third person of the Trinity, Lord, I pray that it would be your words and not my own, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would speak to us clearly. That we would walk out of here with such an understanding of who your Holy Spirit, of who you are, Lord God. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in his place? The Holy Spirit. When it comes to Easter, right? Easter's such a, a great time of harvest and so many people give their life to the Lord and I know several of you did and, um, and it's just a beautiful time. But the question is what happens after the celebration? What actually happened in scripture with the disciples? So they gave their, they, they gave their three years of life to Jesus. Jesus has walked with them. He went through a brutal and a gruesome death. Now Jesus has resurrected, he came back to life, and then he has given an empowerment, a promise unto the disciples. And that promise, unfortunately, depending on what your denominational background is, uh, it's skewed and it's twisted sometimes. How many of y'all remember when Bluetooth started? Y'all remember when Bluetooth started? Remember people, you thought people were crazy? They, had, they were talking to themselves? Some of us, we still have our Bluetooth, shout out to Terry Richardson, who we still have our, you know what I mean? You still have it on your side with the little blue light. Doop. Hello? Yeah? Did you hear me? And then AirPods got introduced. I remember AirPods? How many of y'all got AirPods? The whole world has AirPods. Some of y'all got the bootleg one that you get from the gas station. We don't judge you. It's fine. You have an Android. I get it. You can't pair. I understand. It's totally fine. But I remember that there came a time when the iPhones came out and they, they had headphones. I remember when I was a kid, we had Walkmans. You know what I mean? Like we had, we listened to music. And if you listen to your favorite song, as I mentioned last week, you didn't just put it on repeat. No, you had to flip the tape around, hit forward on that mug. You know what I mean? Wait for a little while and then turn it back around and see if you caught that one. And if it was bootleg, you heard the DJ interruption or the DJ enter. Right now we got Power 96, we got DJ. Yeah, exactly. That was the little piece that you caught because you bootlegged it because you stole it from the radio station. 
But I remember when we were introduced to these magical things called um, headphones and Apple had them. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember these guys? Remember these guys? How many of y'all still have them? They're in your pocket. How many of y'all remember that it didn't matter, there was a demon in your pockets? It didn't matter what pocket you put it in, your front pocket or your back pocket. If you put them in as gently as you could, I mean, you folded them perfectly. When you stuck them in your pocket, they just came out like this. There was a demon in there. I was like, ah, I'm going to damn. And then so you're trying to use your headphones and it's just like, ah, Lee, just give me a second. And you're on the phone and you're like, hold on, let me get my headphones. Hold on. Golly. And you're sitting there and you're just trying to like, yo, this is real time right now. And you're just trying to like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm trying to just, oh, give me a second. Mom, wait. Hold on. I hear you. Oh my God, my boss is going to fire me. Get to that final spot. That was real time. Y'all saw that? That's talent. Tears of headphone. Unfortunately, if I'm honest with you, this is what it looks like for a lot of us when we hear the word the Holy Spirit. It's this tangled up weird bob of a mess where it's like, Chino, are you going to bring out snakes and, you know, oil? Are we going to do, you know, it's, what do I have? Do I have to pay $7.99 for your prayer mantle that you're going to send home with me? You know, all of this stuff. And it feels like, yo, I promise you, this is what it feels like to the point that we begin. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about this, that we become agnostic to the Holy Spirit. The, the word agnostic, agneo, it just means that, yo, I don't know if God is real or if he's not real. I don't know about it, so I'm just, I'm just going to leave that there. And for some of us, it becomes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. And what happens is because of the damage that individuals have done to wind and mess up all of the things that God has tried to do by way of his Holy Spirit, people have abused this, they have hurt it, they have manipulated for their own cause, that eventually what happens is that people say, yo, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I'm not trying to come up to the front and you do the whole thing where you shake my head. I don't want Sister Susie with the pander, with the, la pandereta, with the tambourine, you know, she's catching the holy jerks. I don't want nothing to do with that. And we've relegated it to this, not understanding that there is an actual assignment, there's a reason, there's a role that the Holy Spirit plays in our every single day life. And so I'm going to try in my best way possible to be able to untie this thing a little bit so that you can understand in the most basic form. I think there is an anointing over my life and I, I'm, I'm not the best at a lot of things, but, but I know where my strengths lie. And I know where my weaknesses lie, and that's why I bring people around me who can cover my weakness, not expose my weaknesses. But I know my strength. One of my strengths that I feel that I have, and I know that it's what the Holy Spirit has showed me, is that I, I can take some stuff that's super complicated, and I can try to break it down to the lowest common denominator so that I can be able to give it to you in a morsel of bread where you can take it, understand it, grasp it, but then live it out. So my job and my responsibility is to throw out seeds. That's what the Lord said. I want to plant seeds. Someone's going to come and water it. God, eventually, he gets the increase. My job is to pass out the seeds. But my job, the way that Chino does it, is I don't just give you a seed so that you can eat it. What I do is I try to give you a piece of kiwi. You know what I'm talking about? I want to give you some watermelon. So when you take a bite, of, and I promise you, your mom lied to you. If you eat a watermelon seed, a watermelon tree is not going to grow in your stomach. I promise. But what I want to do is I want to be able to give you something that you can eat all of these seeds, but it actually makes sense to you. I can give you the Greek and the Hebrew, but it means nothing to you if you don't understand the operation and the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can hear about him all day long, but if you don't know what it actually means to you, then it doesn't even make sense. We are trifold beings, all of us. We're, we're a spirit first. We're a body, 
and we're a soul. The soul is the central processing unit. We're a spirit first. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God already knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I mean, this, that word know, that's an intimate word. That means that he's close to you, that he knew exactly who you were before you were ever in your mom's belly. Everybody in this room was in a mother's belly. None of y'all got fabricated in a, in a science lab. Everybody, before you, except Nuno, everybody outside of Nuno, everybody, before you were ever in your mother's womb being developed, Scripture says right here, bring it back up, Scripture says, I knew you. I know who you are. For some of us, we feel like God is so distant and he doesn't know my situation and my problems. God has known you before you existed. What a thought. What a thought that he hasn't stopped knowing you, that he's always been there. And I'll show it to you in just a second. We're spirit, we're body, and we're a soul. And unfortunately, the enemy knows that. And the enemy's number one tactic is to be able to destroy that. He wants you to be so far away from God. He wants to break you in such ways that you feel bound to sin, addiction, to your own mental health. He wants you to be in a place where you never discover what your purpose is. That you're just aimlessly going around life, waking up, doing it all over again, going to sleep, doing it all over again, and getting to the part where you just live a defeated life. This is what Satan does. He, he tries to destroy every one of those areas of your life. I can show it to you. The enemy is always trying to destroy your body. Why is it that there's so much fast food everywhere? Yo, we're literally dying because of the food that we eat. Like, I, I mean, this should be an entire series that we have to do to be able to unpack what that looks like. I'm going to get Tommy to preach that one day. To be able to understand what does it look like, yo, that you're sitting there and you're eating everything. You're driving by McDonald's and you're like, oh, I could crush a McChicken. But Satan's plan is to give you that McChicken, but then right after, you're going to go get a Sunday, and then before, you got some fries, and then you're like, I can get something sweet again. And before you know it, yo, Satan is creating, not only for food, y'all. Please don't understand, I'm not, you know, I'm not like, I'm not all there yet. I'm working on it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, thank God I don't go to McDonald's. I'll go to Chick-fil-A. That's the Lord's area. That's different. That's different type of grease. You know what I mean? Tim, you understand what I'm saying? It's anointing oil. It's not grease. It's different. But I do understand, you know what I mean, that we, some of us, we struggle. And if I asked everybody in the room, you're like, oh, I wish my health was better. I wish I didn't have so much blood pressure. Diabetes is absolutely running rampant, especially when it comes to people of color, um, minorities, everybody. I don't, I'm not making this a racial deal, but I know that the way that our bodies are built, they're just a little bit different. And we're suffering from these things a lot worse. Do you understand that it's not only just what you eat? But Satan is trying to destroy your body with lust. For some of us men, we're so wrapped up in pornography. We're so wrapped up in lusting after things that when we turn around and look at our wife, we're looking at something completely different than what's on the screen, and it's turning us off. And what's breaking us is that our bodies are starting to get completely shaped around an illusion and a fantasy. For some of us, lady, you use way too many pills. Way too many pills. You got to go to sleep to take. You take a pill. And then when you wake up in the morning, I need to not punch my kids in the face. I need coffee and I need my medicine. <laughs> and Satan is trying to destroy your bodies. Not only is he trying to destroy your body, I believe that he's trying to destroy your soul. And some of us have gone through things. And it was crazy because we did a survey. And hopefully all of you guys took that survey. Um, but we, went, we did a survey. And one of the things that people asked, that it, I think it was the, the, the 
top, the third top thing that they asked for. Relationships was number one. And we're going to cover these things and we're going to preach on these things. But one of the things that people talked about was soul care and, and dealing with stuff. Because there's a reason why you get so infuriated and so mad when somebody says just a simple word to you. There's a reason why when people come up to you and they say certain lines or certain, even a pastor, there are things that I say in the moment that I say, you put up a wall because you're like, nah, you're like Brother Franklin. I ain't trying to, nah, I don't want to, no pastor, no, nah, I remember that. I remember how he abused me. I remember how he used me. I remember how he broke me. And you haven't processed these things and you're still walking around with these broken areas of your life. And Satan is just using those things to keep breaking you and keep marginalizing you. The number one thing. That people said on that on that um, on that on the survey that we did, the number one thing when choosing a church home, 77% of people said when choosing a church home, the number one thing that's important for me is relationships, it's friendships. And Satan can break you so much inside your central processing unit, the way that you look at people, that he can break and fracture your friendships and your relationships, which is the thing that you desire the most of, then he's one. He not only destroys you by way of your soul. Aware of your body, but I also believe that he destroys you and he tries to break you and destroy your spirit. Hell is a real thing. I'm going to encourage you at the top of this message. Hell is a real place. It's not a metaphorical place that was written in some type of Aesop's fable. This is a real place that was never created for you. I want to show you something found in scripture. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. This is what Jesus says. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is not a place that was created for you. So God doesn't send anybody to hell. We're walking in sin. We're walking to a devil's hell. We're following Satan's plan. And as we're walking, if we don't do this, what the word calls repent, repentance means that I'm going to turn away. Not only turn away physically from sin, but in my own mind, I'm going to turn away from it. My spirit, my soul, I'm going to turn completely away from Satan and I'm going to start walking towards God. When we begin to walk away from God and walk towards the plan that we think it's our own, I'm not following Satan. I'm not doing that. I'm just working hard. I don't got no time for Jesus. I don't got no time for a crutch. You're walking into a plan that the enemy has constructed because I could beat you all day long if you don't know I'm there. So Satan's plan is to be able to steal your peace, break your soul, to kill your body, and to destroy your spirit. John chapter 10 verse 10 says the, the thief comes only to steal to kill and to destroy. And so the enemy's plan is to steal your peace, to steal your joy, to kill your body in so many different ways. And we see it so rampant. I mean, there's so many diseases, so many things that are happening, but also just even our, our own personal bodies, just in, in addictions and, and medicine. And I mean, I could go down the list, but then he wants to destroy your spirit. He wants to separate you so far from God that you will spend all eternity with him. He's not going to be in heaven with a, in hell with a whip. Satan's not going to be down there like the master. He's going to be in eternal punishment in the same way. Scripture talks about it in Revelation. We'll get that to another time. But if Satan has a plan, what I love is that God had already had a plan. He got an AD plan. Somebody say AD plan. John chapter 14, verse 17 says, for he dwells with you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. So there's God the Father. There's Jesus the Son. And then there's the Holy Spirit. 
If you look at water, if water in its liquid form, if I present it to you, what is it? It's water. Ready? Watch this. If I present water to you in a liquid form, what is it? It is water. If I present it to you in ice form, frozen, it is water. Water. Here we go. It's a pattern. Doing this together. It's a pattern. And if it's, and if it's, and if it's heated and it's steam, it is Y'all got that. Oh, y'all learning. Y'all make me feel good as a teacher. See, I got my little teaching sweater on. So, so the, the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. And so God, for 6,000 years, 6,000 plus years, God dealt with man from the creation story all the way till Jesus showed up, probably about 6,000 plus years. But somewhere in there, it was God's dispensation where he began to deal with men. And so there was a dispensation of innocence before Adam and Eve had fall. And then there was consciousness after they fall and they understood what they were doing. Then there was the dispensation of government where men had this way of doing things that became so sinful to God because they were trying to construct their own government. And then God gave, then the dispensation of promise came where God gave a promise to Abraham and he began to show people what he wanted to do in their life and how he wanted to bless them and draw them back to themselves. Then you have Moses and the law of, and the dispensation of the law where God says you're messing up royally and I'm going to give you a set of rules we've been learning about this on Tuesdays I'm going to be able to give you a set of rules that they're not to keep you away from me they're to keep you in line I have children and I have a gate if there's a gate around my property it's because not because I want to keep my kids in but because I want to keep my kids safe right I want to keep them safe So I want to make sure that they don't go past those bounds. And so that's what the law was. That was God's dispensation. That's how he dealt with man. And then after that came Jesus. And Jesus had the shortest dispensation or the way that God deals with people. Jesus was with us for 33 years, but he ministered for three years. And in those three years, he was teaching and it was hyper speed. But then Jesus dies. He resurrects. And then he promises there's going to come another one. And he's going to, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. He's going to come and be able to help you and teach you and help you and empower you. And then we have the dispensation of the Holy Spirit in which we're in right now, which is the dispensation of the kingdom where God is going to return and restore things. So these three different times were operated by three different individuals. You saw Jesus in the Old Testament. There were moments and glimpses that you saw Jesus. Not only that, but you also saw the Holy Spirit where it would empower David to do mighty exploits and empower Samson. And you saw the Holy Spirit that would descend on them, but then it would ascend again. And then you saw Jesus' life, and Jesus' life was about, about, all about creating the kingdom, teaching grace to get you saved, but all about establishing a kingdom. And then the Holy Spirit comes to be able to enforce it and to get people working in the kingdom. So these are the three. Does that make sense? These are the three. So what God was in the Old Testament to the Jews, what Jesus was to the New Testament to the Jews and the Gentiles, is what the Holy Spirit is to us right now in 2023. He's a helper. He's a counselor. He's a teacher. He's an empowerer. This is who we're talking about right now. But the Holy Spirit's job, the number one Holy Spirit's job is, number one, he he comes to indwell us, but he does interact with unbelievers. He indwells believers, those who are called on the name of Jesus. He indwells us. He lives inside of us, but he interacts with people who are not. I want to show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you? 
If you've called on the name of Jesus, you don't have to sit there and do a whole shindig where you got to say Jesus as much as you can so that all of a sudden you can receive the Holy Spirit. No, the Bible says when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, at that moment you are saved. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and resides inside. The empowerment of the Spirit, we're going to talk about. But when I'm talking about he comes inside of you and he lives inside of you at that very moment. The Holy Spirit is in us. He indwells in us, but he interacts with unbelievers. Because you go to churches and they're like, yeah, when you're a sinner, you, the Holy Spirit don't got nothing to do with you. I beg to differ. I beg to differ because last Sunday we saw evidence of the Holy Spirit dealing with people. 48 people gave commitments to Jesus last Sunday. Come on. It's what I love. 38 of them recommitted their life to the Lord. And 10 individuals walked in here, and you may be here today, man, and this is the reason why we do this. 10 individuals last Sunday said, yo, for the first time ever in my life, I want to give my life to Jesus, and I want to start fresh, and I want to start brand new. So 10 individuals first time, and 38 of them gave their recommitted. And there was one person, one person that said, I'm just not ready to make a decision yet. And man, if you're in the room and you're watching online, man, we love you. This is a place where you belong before you behave. This is a place where you have family. And you can kick the rocks and figure out, kick the can down the road and figure out what the church thing is about. Is it even real? Yo, this is, God does, is not intimidated by your doubt. He's not intimidated by your questions. Neither are we. We love and we're going to love the literal hell out of you. We love you. So what's the, what's the Holy Spirit's role in the life of unbelievers, right? So people who are far from God, what's the Holy Spirit's role? John chapter 6, verse 44, it says that no one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up in the last day. So the, the power, the role of the Holy Spirit is to draw men unto himself. It isn't an eloquently placed sermon. It isn't incredible keyboard playing or the atmosphere, the manipulation that is said in a moment. That's not what saves a person. That creates emotionalism. What saves people is, number one, when God draws them, his Holy Spirit draws people onto him, and then God saves you by grace. It's faith, and by faith alone can you be saved. But it is the Holy Spirit that begins to draw people close to him. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to slowly start bringing you down. Uh, some uh, Francis Thompson. He's an English poet. He calls the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. Anybody ever heard the hound of heaven? It's a, now what it is, it's a, it, he wrote a poem. And in the poem, there's one line that I thought was really cool that he's talking about when the Holy Spirit starts chasing you, when you're an unbeliever and you don't know Jesus, when the Holy Spirit starts chasing you, he says, but with unhurried chase and unperturbed pace, he begins to chase you. Some of y'all that were born in the 90s, the Jason of the 2000s ain't the same, but some of y'all that, that remember the 90s, y'all remember Jason, the scary movie? I'm using it as an illustration, Jason Peebles. And remember, Jason used to walk like this. And you remember people used to run. Ah! they get on airplanes, helicopters. You know what I'm talking about? Like they would run. And Jason would just. And these people would jump on fast speeding trains. And then they'd get to their house and go to go to the doorknob. It's crazy. That's how the Holy Spirit been chasing you for a long time. I mean, you've been trying to run from him in every way possible. And you find yourself every single time is just like, yo, what? How did you, how did you get in this room? 
How did you get in my mind? How did you get into this decision? And it feels like, yo, you run for so far. But Psalms 139, David says, where can I run for? Can I make my bed in hell? God's going to be there as well. His spirit is going to be everywhere because he's the hound of heaven that's always chasing after you. And you get to this moment when the Holy Spirit wants you. And man, it feels like you can't chase him. There's so many people in this room that I can guarantee and pass the mic to you. And you remember that moment. You remember that moment when the Holy Spirit was just tapping you. You thought it was a drug overdose. You thought it was a financial burden. You thought it was a divorce. But it was the Holy Spirit sitting right there telling you, psst, 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 just walking behind you, wanting to take you and turn you into a new person. The Holy Spirit chases after us. He's like, he's like Jason. John chapter 16. I want to show you what this looks like real quick. I'm going to wrap this thing up. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. I just compared the Holy Spirit to Jason, a horror movie. <laughs> Dang it, Chino. You're horrible. Put that on my space. Um, John chapter 16, verse 7. <laughs> if you were born in the 90s, 2000s, you understood that. Everybody else is like, what? <laughs> oh, my grandma was on that. I can't stand you. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. Yo, listen to what's happening. We talked about this last Sunday. The children of Israel are in bondage. I mean, they are, they are slaves right now to the Roman government. The Roman government is killing them. They're studying how to kill people. And they're killing them if they even confess Jesus. Jesus has stepped onto the scene. He is the Savior, the coming King. They've been waiting for years, actually, Genesis chapter 3, the Bible, God, he actually foretells Jesus coming by way of a seed. He talks about Jesus in, John, in Genesis chapter 3. They've been waiting for what they call the Messiah to be able to come to rescue them from Roman rule. And so they're going to be free and they're going to be set free just like Moses rescued the children of Israel from Egypt. And so here it is that Jesus is coming to the picture. He's raising dead people. He's bringing sight to blind eyes. He's healing the sick. People are getting saved by the thousands. I mean, he's breaking a piece of bread and he's splitting it and feeding 25,000 people, including men, women and children. And this Jesus, he says to them, it is more advantageous. It, it is more beneficial. It is to your advantage that I go away. Hold on, Jesus, what you, what? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness. And he will convict the world of judgment, of sin, because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment. Because the ruler of this world is judged. So the, the number one role Jesus is explaining to them, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does in the life of believers is that he brings conviction. That word conviction, we don't like it. For some of us, it's like, ah, oh, that sounds too strong, Chino. For some of us, that sounds like Judge Judy or somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't like that word. Well, the word conviction, el gecko, it means to actually bring to the light. El gecko, it means to actually bring to the light. Conviction, it's an actual legal term. We have several different individuals who are in our church that are lawyers, that defend in so many different ways, um, but it's an actual legal term. And it, 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 it actually brings you to this place where if you commit a crime, you're going to go to trial. And when you go to trial, you go before a, 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 a set of peers who will judge you and say whether you are guilty or innocent of a crime. And then they will give, if you're guilty, they will give a conviction to that crime. 
Once they give that conviction to the crime, then begins the proceedings of either you going to prison for a long time or you paying an amount of money or you being able to pay back some type of restitutions with your time, with your talents, or with your treasure, but you're going to pay back what you messed up. And so conviction comes in it. The world uses conviction to bring condemnation. And it brings shame and it brings guilt. Once conviction comes into the, into the place, all of a sudden now you begin to get all this condemnation on you because you are guilty. And you start to walk with shame and with guilt and with fear. But the kingdom is the opposite. Because the kingdom, when it brings conviction, it's actually leading you to the sentence, which the sentence is life. The sentence is freedom. The sentence is joy. It's bringing you to a place where you're not condemned, but you're actually walking into freedom. It's flipped and it's upside down when it comes to the kingdom. But the word conviction, we get scared of it because we think if you're convicted as a legal term, well, now there's a consequence that needs to come out. But isn't it beautiful that the consequence, it was placed on Jesus on the cross for those of you who have called the name of Jesus. And everything good about Jesus, all the good consequences of Jesus behaving, not sinning, living a sinless life, he puts it on you. I mean, it's it's an upside down kingdom, but the Holy Spirit comes to bring conviction. I want to show you this. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, Peter, now... The Holy Spirit has come and he's descended in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit has come inside of the upper room and he's swept through there. And there's tongues of fire laying on top of them. And they're speaking in different languages, speaking in tongues that other people are understanding in their own languages. I mean, it's an upside down mess. And all of a sudden, Peter, who just a few chapters before, actually 50 days before, he had denied Jesus completely. said, I don't even know this man, to the point that he started cussing. Like, I don't beep, no, the beep, I don't know this beep. He's like a Lil Wayne song. Just, I mean, just beep, 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 just, I don't know him. And all of a sudden now, Peter gets up, and everybody thinks, yo, these people are drinking. They, they legalize daytime drinking. And these people drunk in the morning. And in Acts chapter 2, Jesus, uh, Paul, Peter gets up, and Peter says, hey, I know you think everybody's drinking and we're drunk, but we're not. This, this Jesus that you killed, and then he begins to preach. And he starts to preach the gospel so much that when people hear this, now understand this, there were thousands of people that were gathered there because there was a festival of Pentecost that was happening on that day. And so they had this whole deal that they were playing, that they were doing. I mean, it was just amazing. Feast of Tabernacles. And so all of this beautiful stuff was happening. And all of a sudden, Peter begins to preach. And then scripture says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. Conviction. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So here it is now that the conviction of the Lord has come upon them and their Holy Spirit has convicted them where they're like, yo, we messed up. We're a mess and we messed up. Yo, what do we do? Because remember, the conviction always needs a response. There's a consequence. The Bible says that over 3,000 people got saved that day. 3,000 thousand people could you imagine is outside of this church wall all across the street there's three thousand people and or let's just say there's five thousand ten thousand and out of them three thousand people raise their hand and say i need to give my life to jesus could you imagine the pandemonium that would ensue this is where we find ourselves and this is what happens when the conviction of the holy spirit comes upon a person now he does three things that i want to show you of that it talked about in scripture number he convicts people of sin 
The Holy Spirit. It's not a it. It's not a they. The Holy Spirit isn't a thing. He's an actual person. He's the third person of the Trinity. Every time that you hear of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, it's referred to as him and he. He's an actual entity. He's an actual person. But he comes to convict of sin, convict of righteousness, and convict of judgment. And I want to show you this. Number one, Scripture says that he came to convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. That's what the scripture says. Convict of sin because they do not believe in me. And this is what we find ourselves right now where we are not, I don't want to use the word we are so sinful. I think we are so sin conscious that when you think of convicting of sin, what happens is that you look at this and if you look at that word and it doesn't matter what, what you can look at it in the Septuagint. That's the closest you can to the actual translation of the Greek. But even that word right there, and of righteousness and of sin, go to the, la, to, the, to, the, to the first verse. I'm going to show it to you right there at the very beginning. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. Understand that that, that word is sin on purpose. It's not sins, which is plural. So God doesn't come to convict you of your many sins. That's just addressing the symptoms. God wants to convict you of sin. Watch. Go to the next verse. Convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now watch this. Convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. So the, the sin that God, that the Holy Spirit is trying to convict you to get a response out of is to convict you of sin, of the sin of unbelief, that you don't believe in God. Because here's the truth. If you believe in God and you give your life to Jesus, you deal with sin a little bit different. You have the power to overcome sin. But if you don't give your life to Jesus and you continue to live in unbelief, live outside of God, you find yourself in a cycle where you stop smoking for six months, but all of a sudden you started smoking again. You stop doing this for a month, but all of a sudden you find yourself back in. And it's a cycle because you're trying to do it under your own strength we have individuals that come to church and they'll come on an Easter Sunday and they'll they'll sit there and they'll feel cut to their spirit like the Bible says and they'll feel the conviction of the Lord I need to get right with God but what they'll say to themselves is a lie from the enemy well before I get right with God I gotta stop sleeping with her I don't want to be a hypocrite how many of us said that I don't want to be a hypocrite I gotta let me get right first and then when I get clean and I get right then I can come to God because God will receive me as a clean vessel man God will receive you broken messed up drug addicted alcohol ripped God will receive you in every broken state you won't be able to do it on your own you can't do it on your own I was an absolute disaster when I came to Jesus if he saved and cleaned me up then trust me trust me you you I you I but this, this sin pattern where the Holy Spirit convicts you is so that you can get to a place where you, oh, hold on. Yo, I need to believe in Jesus because if I believe in Jesus, then he'll eradicate my sins. So the Holy Spirit doesn't come to convict you of sins. He come to convict you of sin. Now, once you get saved, all of a sudden now the Holy Spirit does begin to convict you and say, hey, keep your pants up. Hey, little mama, keep your skirt down. Hey, why don't you log off? We got so quiet and different then. It was like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> when you believe the receive power, it'll help you. And when you don't, that change is so short-lived. But it is the sin of unbelief that will stop you from being forgiven. So it's the sin of, the, it's the conviction of sin that the Holy Spirit is trying to eradicate off of you. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes to convict you of sin, I mean, it's some of the, for some of us, y'all remember, I know some of y'all got saved when you were born and you're like, oh, I've been in church my whole life. I never sinned. But some of y'all remember being in a club or being, you know, with a friend and doing things that you ain't supposed to be doing. And like you couldn't even enjoy it. Like, yo, relax. I'm going to church in Christmas. I just get relaxed. You just want to have fun. 
no, I'm talking about, you just want to. And the Holy Spirit there said, you don't, you don't need to be with her. You know you need to go home. And you just, shut up. It's the worst to be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know who's the worst to be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit? People who know that it's the Holy Spirit, but they won't submit to it. Those are some of the most meanest people because they will say the meanest things to you. You freaking hypocrite. All you have is a church. It's a crutch. I don't need that crutch. I have my own business. I have my own life. I've, cre I've created this. And they will say some of the most hurtful things to you. Hey, I'm trying to bring a little freedom to you because I know your dad says some of those things. And I promise you the Holy Spirit is dealing with him. Your job and your responsibility is not to convict them. When you convict people, it creates condemnation in them. But when you allow for the Holy Spirit to convict them, it begins to bring salvation salvation out of them so you need to have a little bit of patience and a whole lot of prayer and believe that God is working with them even when they start to tell you I don't want nothing to do with you I want to cut you off I've seen way too many stories of those individuals and all of a sudden they've given their life to Jesus and God has restored not only families friendships but he's restored marriages he's done incredible things but when the Holy Spirit is on you convicting you of sin it's heavy sometimes it's heavy not only does he convict you of sin, but scripture says that he convicts you of righteousness, of righteousness because I go to the Father is what he says. Now, what I want you to understand, I think it's important and imperative for you to understand is when he talks about convicting you of righteousness, it's like, yo, but I'm not righteous. Some of you are. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I don't need Jesus because I don't, I'm a good person. I give to charity. You know what I mean? I don't steal. I, you, do you see what's on the news? I don't do that. I don't drink alcohol, I don't smoke marijuana, I don't snort cocaine, I don't kill people, oh my God. I, you know, I may do this on the taxes, but whatever, like the Lord is not, God is not with the government or something like that, the scripture says. And so we, we, we bubble ourselves in this, in this righteousness bubble. And for some of us, we're like, yeah, if I'm a good person, I can make my way to heaven, I'm okay. And in reality, that's not true because God desires perfection. Anybody in here perfect? Look at what scripture says. If I can find it. Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. It says, therefore you shall be, come on, y'all can read that. Perfect. Just as your heavenly father, your father in heaven is. So, so in reality, here's the truth. If none of y'all are perfect, then none of y'all are going to heaven. Remember the hell, I don't know why I put hell over here by the piano. I'm sorry, Nunzi. I should have over here by Laurent. Sorry, I'm sorry. So all of us are going to hell. So encouraging. Bye, close your eyes, let's get out of here. Pay your tithes. So we're all going to hell. I mean, if we're not perfect, if we can't build anything up so that God's like, I like you, champ. Good job. If, God, if we can't get a cosign from God because of our own efforts, then we're all on our way to hell. As a matter of fact, a few months ago, I preached this message of the tabernacles, and I talked about how this is a, a, a trajectory that each of us go. We're in the outer courts denoting salvation. Then we get into the inner courts where it talks about living of the Holy Spirit, living a spirit-led life. And then we talk about going into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a room that was 10 feet by 10 feet by 10 feet. And then there was the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat on top of it. And only one person can go in there. It was one priest that can go in there. Nobody. There was no space. And so what we talked about is that we can't go to God because we're so broken and so messed up. I got sin. In fact, if you entered into the Holy of Holies and you had sin in your life, 
you would die immediately. Way before you even got in there, you would fall dead. As a matter of fact, two of Aaron's sons died right before getting into there because they had offered strange fire. They had sin in their life. And so here it is. We can't go in there. So what does the scripture says? Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 and be found in him talking about Jesus not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Jesus faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That for us to have access to God, for us to be able to go to heaven, for us to be able to enter into that holy of holy areas, we need to be found in Jesus. So your righteousness is like filthy rags. But if you allow for the righteousness of Jesus to be what you reside in, all of a sudden it changes the game for you. That's like going to somebody's, to a, a department store. If I had the credit card from... Uh, Elon Musk, I had a letter from Elon Musk and I had a credit card and Elon Musk recorded a video and sent it beforehand and I walked into a Tesla dealership. How many of y'all know I can grab whatever Tesla I want? Because of the authority, because of the authority in which I come in. Because of him, not because of me. I ain't got no Tesla money. <laughs> Pastor's appreciation. Y'all hook y'all boy up. October. <laughs> I ain't got no Tesla money. But if, I, but if I came under and in his name, all of a sudden I'll have access not only to the Tesla, but to so much more. And so this is what happens when the Holy Spirit convicts you of righteousness. You understand, yo, I'm a mess, but it ain't all about me. When you look in the mirror, you don't look in the mirror and say, yo, I'm a mess. You look at yourself in the mirror and says, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, my favorite one, I'm going to say it every day till I die. He who knew no sin became sin. So that me, Chino, this broken, messed up individual that you see out here can become the righteousness of God. That when I look in the mirror, I say, man, I'm the right. That's the right. That little Negro right there. That's the righteousness of God. You see that little cute face? That's the righteousness of God. Because I understand that my righteousness is not of my own, but it comes from Jesus, according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. I hope y'all taking notes. Some of y'all looking and y'all go back and listen to this message and write some notes down. I need to place my trust in Jesus because I'm not perfect. I need him. So the Holy Spirit convinced you of sin. He convicts you of righteousness, but he convicts you also of judgment. And scripture says, because the ruler is being judged. Now, the truth is that hell, as I mentioned a little while ago, hell was created for the devil and his angels. That's for the devil, his demons. That, that's what hell was created for. It wasn't made for you. How? how who is Satan? Because I'm, I'm cool with Satan going to hell. Go to hell, Satan. I'm cool with Satan going to hell. I don't know if I want to go to hell. And if he going to hell, what did he do to get himself there? Because, bro, I don't want to go that way. Because the Holy Spirit comes to convict you of sin. Hey, man, I messed up. I've sinned against God. And under the conviction, I repent and I come to God. But, but if you don't and you're like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't have sin in my life. I don't need to repent of sin. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to convict you of righteousness. And begins to tell you, like, yo, you're not good enough. Good enough means perfect. I desire perfection. Be ye perfect as I am perfect, says the Lord. You need to be perfect. And so if you don't submit to the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling you that you're not righteous enough, then all of a sudden it's the judgment that comes. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you that there's a real impending hell that will hit you square in the face if you don't repent and submit yourself to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Satan had to pay that price. I want to show you. Matthew, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, 
I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the top of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Satan, he thought to himself, I am going to become this individual that's going to be just like God. I, I'm going to sit on the throne. I'm going to have control. I'm the one that's going to set the rules. I've said that a couple times, too many. Even after I gave my life to Jesus. There's times in my life that I say, I'm going to figure this thing out on my own. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have individuals in my life like mentors and people who came and told me, hey, you're going to do a great job, buddy. Why don't you try this? I had people that told me I had two routes. You're going to end up in jail or you're going to die. It's one of the two. And so I had to kind of fend for myself, as some of us did. And we had to create these things where we were just like, yo, I'll never let nobody hurt me. I'll never let my family go broke. I'll make sure that nobody ever touches my son the way that I was touched. I'll make sure that I will never allow for anybody to do these things. And we build up these walls and all of a sudden sometimes we become the God of our life. Because once you start constructing things and all of a sudden you start building a couple of little things, now you feel like you're the last Coca-Cola in the desert. Those are those things that just don't translate in Spanish. You say it in Spanish and it's like, oh my God, I repent. But you say it in English and people are like, I don't want to drink a Coke in the desert. I want water. I hate it. We're going to start a Spanish service. <laughs> but all of a sudden, you, you build this thing up. And what you don't know is that it's a long fall. For some of us, we felt that fall. Where we've built it up so high that we feel like, man, we, you know, I've, I've built something so good. And, man, I've made, my mom ain't nowhere close to where I'm. My, my dad, they can't even tie my shoelaces. Look at what I've become of myself. Ah, told you I'd be something. And number one, your soul is so broken. And, and man, there's help for that. But if I'm honest with you, yo, Satan had the same exact thoughts. And what we just read right now is that Satan got kicked out of heaven for that. Hell was created for him. So be very careful when you think to yourself that you're the last Coca-Cola in the desert. Because you're not. And I mean, it just takes one woman who just looks half as cute as your wife. And she begins to just talk to you a little bit differently. That all your love, I'll never gets broken down. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 says, Let a man who thinks he can stand take heed, lest he fall. That fall is not a pretty sight. Because at the end of this life, we have a couple of options. First of all, Drake is a liar because I know Drake told you that you only live once. That's not true. Every person in this place, every single person in this place, every person in the world is going to live twice. Every single person is going to have an eternal life. I mean, everybody in this room, you're all going to have an eternal life. The difference is, are you going to have an eternal life with God or away from God? 
right? Because the only way that you can come to God is not by how much tithes and offering you give. It's not how much you serve at the church. It's not how good you are and how much of a philanthropist you are. It's not how many good deeds you do. But it's that you come to him through his son, Jesus Christ, and through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. It has to be Jesus that allows for you to come to the Father, that he's the only way. I don't care what media is telling you. I don't care what trends. I don't care what the Tic Tac is telling you. The only way that you can come to God is through Jesus. The only way you could come to God is through Jesus. But if we don't come to God, then it's not that God sends you to hell, but it's that you just begin to walk away from him. And eventually, when this thing is all over, we're all going to answer. And so the Holy Spirit, his job, his responsibility is, number one, he wants to convict you of sin. Yeah, I'm going to screw up. Come to the knowledge of being that and saying, Jesus, save me. But if you don't, then he'll convict you of righteousness. Yo, I know you think you got it all together, but you're not. And if you come back to him and you say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. I need you. I need the sacrifice of your son. Good. But if you don't, then it comes to judgment. And the Holy Spirit begins to tell you, hey, there's a real hell. And you're on your way there. And if you don't turn, if you don't repent, there's nothing I can do for you. And so we turn from our sins and we come to God. And we no longer have to live the judgment of the ruler. The judgment of the ruler is that he's going to hell. I don't have to live that judgment. I don't have to be far from God. The Holy Spirit's role. I, I was reading this story. And uh, there was a, a couple of individuals. How many, how many of you here, you have daughters? Raise your hand if you're a girl dad. I mean, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you got twins. Anybody got twins? Praying for y'all in the Holy Ghost. I think twin daughters would have broke me. <laughs> Financially, mentally, spiritually, physically, all that good stuff. But here's what I know. I saw, I read this story of this individual that, he had, a, he had this, this dog and his two daughters, twin daughters, they were in the backyard and they were playing around. And all of a sudden they had like this whole party set up and these different things that were going on. And this dog hits the table over and knocks over the entire, uh, the entire birthday cake. And so the birthday cake ends up on the ground. And what do they do? They turn around to the dog and they tell the dog, hey, get in the house. And they take the dog and they place the dog inside of a cage. And the dog is inside of this cage. And the dog is just, he was just happy. He was just having fun. But they threw him in the cage. While they were throwing him in the cage and dealing with him inside the house, they had not noticed that these twins, who were at the age of about four years old, these twins had kind of wandered off. And slowly they were going into the woods. And so in the back of their yard, there was a bunch of woods. And thinking that the kids were there, they went in the house, they put everything in there, prepping for this party, everything. And then they begin to do stuff. And about 15 minutes go by and they're like, hey, where the girls at? And what? what? They're outside. Oh, let me go check on. And the girls are outside. Katie, Susie. Kay, hey. Yo. Hey, the girls are inside. They're in their room. And they go inside to their room and they're looking for them in the room. And they're like, yo, where, the, where are the girls at? And all of a sudden, the guests start showing up and they're a little panicked. They're like, hey, where... Yo, where are the girls at? Hey, did you take the girls? No, I didn't take the girls. Hey, did you go get ice? Because I said we needed ice. Did you go take the girls? No, I didn't. What happened? Where are the girls at? And all of a sudden, they're in this panic frenzy. And they're looking everywhere for the girls. And as they start to look, they start to walk around the neighborhood. They start to walk around the backyard. They start to go into the woods a little bit. It starts to get a little dark. These two girls are lost, and now the parents have gone into a full panic as I would have been. Holy Ghost filled and all. 
And they begin to scream and they call the police. And they tell the police, you, we, our daughters are lost. Please come help. We need to figure this. Please. And so the police come over there. Search and rescue comes over there. And they begin to comb that entire neighborhood. And they begin to comb the entire forest. And they're, they're looking everywhere for the daughters. Nighttime has faded. And it's slowly beginning to be into the morning. And these parents are sitting there. I mean, just distraught. The party has turned into a nightmare. And these girls are sitting there. I mean, it, the parents are sitting there just crying, just broken. And the police are coming back. They're like, hey, we're trying everything we can. We have our best men on this. We can't figure this thing out. But we will, though. We will. I promise you, we will. The morning has slowly turned into an afternoon. And in that, they remember to themselves for just a second, man, we haven't walked the dog. We haven't done anything. That dog probably pooped and peed. Anybody have dogs inside that just decide to just go crazy? Some of y'all, four or five, six. Yeah, yeah, everybody. You know when you leave your dog inside too long and you walk in and it's just, oh, ugh. you feel that. It's like a demon. You know what I mean? Just comes out of every hole in their body. And so, and so, they, and so they go and they, they, they go to let out the dog. As soon as they let out the dog, boom, the dog takes off. They're like, well, what the heck is going on? And the dog just takes off running. And so the parents are like, dude, now we're going to lose the dog too. And they're seeing the dog just run into the forest. And as they're walking, they're, they're like trying to figure out, hey, Jimmy, 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 Jim, Jimmy, come, God, leave this dog. Now the, oh my God, I, I can't even deal with this. Well, this dog just so happens to run into the forest and get to a certain place where the girls used to go play all the time. And this dog who understood and smelled the girls, he knew where they were. The dog goes up to them and the dog starts barking at the little girls. Four-year-old girls. And the girls start getting scared. They're already crying. They've been there without food for about a day, almost a day and a half. And the dog is barking at them. They're like, Aah! and the dog is making all this noise. The dog tries to grab one of the shirts and start pulling them. So all of a sudden, the dog's and the little girls start kind of walking. And they're like crying. They're like, why is he being so mean to us? And they start walking. And after walking for about what seemed like hours, but really was just 20 minutes, 30 minutes, they finally walk into their backyard. And here it is that the parents are frantic inside the house. And all of a sudden, they hear the sliding glass door. And the dog. Roo, 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 roo. And here it is, Katie and Susie. Dirty as all can be. The dog is going crazy, wagging his tail, laughing, jumping on people, just going super excited. These parents are, I wish I could show you a picture. These parents are crying. The entire neighborhood, literally the entire neighborhood is not only inside their house, but all across their front. I mean, people from the entire neighborhood are there because this is a national news coverage story. And these little girls are returned back to the dad and to the mom. Here it is that they're holding him and they're just... As I, as I looked at this picture and I, I watched this on YouTube, I can only think of how the Holy Spirit has been chasing after you. I could only think about how the Holy Spirit is the one that we try to keep caged. No, because the Pentecostals think this way. No, because, the, you know, to reform Baptists, you know, the Southern Baptists, they think this way and they, they just cage them. And, no, and, 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 and the independents, no, we can't, no, we won't allow. And the Methodists and, and the Presbyterian and all these. I love the fact that people have given themselves a title and think they have figured God out. When God says, I am beyond your understanding, all of us got it messed up. All of us got it wrong. We're going to figure out one day. There's going to be people in heaven that you didn't think were going to be there. And there's going to be people that you thought were going to be there that aren't. 
And we feel like we've caged them up, but it's just the moment that you allow for the Holy Spirit and you just open that door for him. And all of a sudden, I'm not comparing the Holy Spirit to Jason, a murderer, or to a dog named Jimmy. But what I'm trying to tell you is that he comes after you. When he comes after you, he's seeking. And what he seeks, he finds. And the beauty of being found in the gospel is not that you get to come back home to mom. It's that you get to come back home to your eternal father. It changes everything. It changes the way you look at your own sin. It changes the way you look at your own righteousness. It changes the way that your eternity looks like and where you're going to spend all of eternity. Would you do me a favor and would you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media.